Well, it's true that in all circumstances, God works for the good of those who love Him. But all the circumstances that happen to us are not good. I heard about a man uh, centuries ago who was in the habit of always saying, this is good. And no matter what happened, he would say, this is good. Well, he was a friend of the king, and one day the man went with the king on a hunting trip. And apparently the man's job was to load the guns for the king, who would then shoot them. Well, evidently the man loaded one gun wrong, and it went off, and it shot the king's thumb. Examining the situation, the man said as usual, This is good. Well, the king got mad, and he threw his friend in jail, and he said, No, this is not good. About a year later, the king goes on another hunting trip to an area where there were cannibals, and the cannibals capture him, and they tie his hands and feet, and they tie him on a stake and prepare to cook him. But as they come near him, they find that the king's finger is shot off. And being very superstitious, they would never eat anyone less than whole, and so they end up setting the king free. And as the king returns home, he starts to feel guilty about putting his friend in jail for a year. And so he goes to the jail and he apologizes to his friend. He explains what's happened and he says, I'm very sorry for sending you to jail for so long. It was a bad thing for me to do. No, his friend replied, this is good. The king said, there you go again. How can this be good? How can it be good that I sent my friend to jail for a year? And the man replied, if I had not been in jail, I would have been hunting with you. (laughs) So maybe it was good. But you know, the circumstances that you and I face can be difficult. And last week, if you were with us, we were challenged by Jesus' words. He said, he who is not with me is against me. And if you were like me, you were stirred to pray, Jesus, I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, this morning we're going to study a disciple of Jesus who essentially says, Lord, I'm with you, no matter what. And that disciple is Peter. But in the story of Peter, we're going to find that our Christian lives do not come to a close when we say, Jesus, I'm with you. Actually, That's often when the story really gets moving. Because God wants to mold us into Christ-likeness. He wants to bring about maturity into our lives. And to do that, sometimes, He will allow difficulties and trials. And we see that He does that in the life of Peter. And so He'll sometimes allow trials in our own lives for our own good. So I'd ask you to turn your Bibles with me to the book of Luke, and this morning we're going to go to one episode of Peter's life in chapter 22, and we're going to read verses 24 through 34. It says, Also, a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercised authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, 
the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers." But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. I want to focus in this morning on verse 31. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. We all go through difficulties and trials, and Jesus warns Peter that he's going to go through a time of testing, and he calls it a sifting as wheat. Now, I think Jesus' listeners in that day would have easily understood that illustration, would have made sense. They were quite familiar with wheat, but for you and I, for many of us, it doesn't mean a whole lot in our day. I wasn't familiar with the process of sifting wheat, so... I looked it up. And sifting, I'm told, is a two-stage process. One step, the first step, involves tossing the wheat into the air to allow the, the chaff or the worthless seed coverings to blow away in the wind. The second stage involves a sieve or a type of strainer that separates what's valuable and useful from what's not, what is not profitable. So in this way... And in this process, the farmer cleans the wheat and prepares it for the market. He's preparing it for a purpose. And God does that with us. He allows people, circumstances, and events in our lives to take place in order to sift us. And so let's look at verse 31 again. Jesus says to Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Now, that's not exactly what I was hoping to hear Jesus say here. I was expecting him to say, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I would not let him. That's what I hoped he would say. That's what I wish he had said. But that's not what he says. Jesus allows hardships in in Peter's life, even though he loved Peter. Now, it had to go through Jesus before Satan got permission to do it, but Jesus did allow it. Notice also here that Jesus encouraged Peter in verse 32 by telling him, I have prayed for you. See, he believes that Peter is eventually going to be stronger from having gone through all of this. He knows that Peter is going to fail. He says here, when you have turned back. Not if, but when. And so Jesus knows Peter's failures. He knows that his faith is shaky, even though Peter doesn't know it. 
Peter says, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to jail or even to death. He doesn't even know his weakness. But Jesus does. And Jesus says, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times, or you'll deny three times that you even know me. Now, how discouraging is that? But notice that Jesus doesn't focus on that. Instead, he sees what Peter can become. Not just what Peter is, but what he can become and what he will become. And so I want that to encourage your heart this morning. Because in the same way, Jesus looks at your life and he sees all of the chaff. He sees things in your life that are worthless or wasted or unneeded. He knows all of the garbage, all of the failures. He even knows your future failures. But he sees what's valuable after all the chaff is destroyed. He sees, in other words, what you can become as his follower, as his disciple. And he desires that for your life. So be encouraged this morning. That's what Jesus is looking at. That's what he sees. Be encouraged. Be motivated by that. Because that's how Jesus looks at Peter. And that's how he looks at you and I. Seeing the value. Encouraging patiently. Encouraging our maturity. John MacArthur tells a story in his book. It's called Twelve Ordinary Men. And it's about Tommy Lasorda used to manage the Dodgers several years ago. At the time, Lasorda had a young pitcher who was very accurate, had a strong arm, but he wasn't aggressive. And so Tommy encouraged the pitcher to show some grit and determination, and he gave him the nickname Bulldog. And so every time he called him Bulldog, it reminded him to be strong and determined. Well, some of you are baseball fans, and so you may remember Oral Hershiser, a pitcher who became known for his incredible determination and strength. He was Sportsman of the Year, World Series MVP, many other notable accomplishments. But I mention that because this is what Jesus does with Peter. He doesn't call him bulldog. He calls him a rock. Calls him a rock, even though... He probably resembles more a little pebble at the bottom of a riverbed uh, more than a foundation stone. And if you read about Peter and you know about Peter, this is a rough character. Peter is not a public relations type of guy. In fact, I think if Peter went to a company today, he'd probably have to go through some kind of sensitivity training before they let him start. You study him... Uh, He's, he's a roller coaster ride. If you read Matthew 16, 13 through 23, it starts by, with you seeing that Jesus is praising Peter. Peter's recognized him as the Messiah, and so he calls him a rock. And then right after that, Peter tries to rebuke Jesus for the prediction of his death, and Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan. And so, one minute, he looks good. He's a rock. He looks like an angel. And the next minute, He's the devil. And Peter would often speak when he should have been quiet. And he sometimes said things that didn't make sense. And so here's a guy with all kinds of rough edges on him. 
But again, Jesus saw what Peter could become. Not just what he was, he saw his potential. And so Jesus continues to speak to him and work with him. And sometimes to rebuke him, but to allow difficulties in his life to mold him as well. And you know what? He wants to do the same thing with you. But you have to allow him to do that. You have to allow him to do that. To walk with him, to listen to him, and to learn from him in the midst of your struggles. He allows hardship because he wants Peter to learn several things. And I believe that he allows hardship in our lives so that we can learn as well. So, so really quickly this morning, what are some of those things? What can you and I learn when we are sifted? What can we learn when it feels like we've been thrown up in the air, blown around in the wind, and when it feels like we've been put through a sieve, refined and broken down? Well, one thing that Jesus wanted Peter to learn was humility. Peter said that he wouldn't deny Jesus, even if it meant death. And uh, if you read the story, he took out a sword in the garden in the midst of a large group of soldiers. And so you might think that he was heroic. But Jesus didn't think so. Peter had to learn that he wasn't as strong as he thought. He had to learn that he wasn't always right. He had to learn to submit to the Lord with humility. Even when things weren't going as he had planned, he had to learn that his ways weren't always God's ways. And the encouraging thing is that from his experience later on in his life, Peter encouraged others when he wrote about trials. For example, 1 Peter 1.7, he says, These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So, I may wish it weren't so, but God works through pain. He works through trials. C.S. Lewis once said that pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, Lewis said, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And so it's in trials, it's in difficulty, that we can learn to listen to God better, that we can actually learn humility as Peter did. Another thing that Jesus wanted Peter to learn was love for others. He needed to understand how much God loves all people. And we know this because after the resurrection, Jesus appears to Peter, and what does he say? It's the first thing he says to him. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times he says it. See, This is hard for Peter to hear three times that Jesus asks him that, but he has to be broken. And now he's able to listen. And we know that Peter's not just saying the right thing because later on in Acts, the Holy Spirit tells him to go and associate with Gentiles. And he does it. And so his love for others has grown. And we see this again in his writings, 1 Peter 1.22. He says, 
Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. And then later on in 1 Peter 4, 8, he says, above all, what? Love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. So friends here this morning, obviously, I don't know what's happening in your life. Maybe you're not going through any trials. Maybe you are sailing and you're praising God. Thank God for that. We celebrate that with you. But, you know, it only takes a few years to know that hard things are going to come. Hard things are going to happen. And so this morning, maybe some of you are experiencing those things. Or you will yet. Maybe some of you came in this morning and you're like, yes, Pastor Mark, I feel like a piece of wheat that's been thrown up in the air and and taken through a sieve. I, I, I hear that. If so, be encouraged. Because you're right where God can speak to you. You're right where God wants you to be. And this is an opportunity for you to develop. To develop humility and a love for others. And then thirdly, to grow in your submission to God. could say relationship to God, but I'm going to say submission to God. Sometimes I assume or we assume that our thoughts, our viewpoints, our emotions are the same as God's. And God needs to jar us out of that perspective. And that's what Jesus does to Peter, Matthew 16, 23. Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Whoa. Talk about getting sifted. Peter had to learn that his will and God's will are not always the same. The difficulties in our lives might, and I have to stress, might be there because we're prideful people, and in order to use us for his will, God has to break us down. He wants Peter to be submitted to him so that he can be glorified through his life. And guess what? That's what God wants in your life as well. And so he comes to you. Hear his voice this morning. He comes to you and he says, Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? This hurts Peter. You hear it three times, but Jesus doesn't stop because he wants every part of Peter committed to him. And so after he says, feed my sheep in John 21, 17, he says to Peter in verses 18 and 19, I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then Jesus said to him, and I'm going to close with this this morning. Jesus said to Peter in verse 19, and I believe he says to you this morning, follow me. Follow me.